welcome you back to another episode of Between Us and Y'all. I'm Yasmin. I'm Nafis. And this is Between Us and Y'all, a podcast created for a safe space for mothers and their young adult sons to have healthy conversations. We hope that our listeners have benefited um, thus far from the conversations we've had. We have another set of guests today, and we will introduce them in a bit. Before we do, the topic we're continuing today is on unbiased topics. We're going to focus specifically on appearance, presentation, and work ethic. And so, I have our guest today, if they can introduce themselves. Ladies first. <laughs> Hi, Miriam Benjana, and... My name is Azariah Richardson. Very cool. Thank you both for being here. We've known you for about, I would say, maybe nine years? Maybe about eight or nine? Maybe longer than that. It's been so we're yes. Really happy that you all are here. Another adult um, mom and son duo in the community. We admire you from afar and we're grateful to have you all here, you know, to join in on the conversation. So um, before we start, I know Miriam, you have a business that you could tell us a little bit about. Sure, and thank you very much for having us on. We're looking forward to a fun conversation, unbiased. Um, and uh, the organization that I help steward here locally called Grupo Nzinga de Capoeira Angola Atlanta is actually a martial arts group um, where we practice and ground in traditional African fighting styles that developed in the colony of Brazil but that emerged out of the various practices of people in Angola. Um, and so uh, if people are interested in learning more about Habuera Angola or connecting about that topic, they can find us on Facebook, Grupo Nzinga, like the Queen, Atlanta, de Capoeira Angola. And uh, I would be more than happy to share uh, more about our work and how we use our Capoeira, our martial arts practice to, to champion social justice here in the Atlanta community and worldwide. Oh, I love that. I'm definitely interested in seeing more about it. Oh. Okay, so usually when we have guests on, we like to start with a, a very standard question. And this question is related to a family motto. Our family motto is work hard, pray hard, love hard, and play hard. Do you all have a family motto? And if so, what is it? We don't. <laughs> okay. After reading the question, I mean, some words came up like, um, don't procrastinate. Celebrate. <laughs> I <Elevate>. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a thousand and one ways to get something done. <laughs> Just yeah. do it. So we don't have a nice scripted one, but we'll work on that. Yeah, I like what you guys have so far too. Those are definitely good, but I could use in my own personal life. So I support that. And Nafis is going to start us out with our first question. Our first question is How do you all discuss appearance and presentation in your family? Um, I'd say in general, when I, whenever I speak to my mother, it's usually just uh, in terms of presentation, whenever we go out, we, we make sure that we you know, just take care of ourselves. Um, we work like a lot in the house, like we try and keep the house clean a lot. Um, and we feel that like the, our space within the house and the things that we do, like in our living space are gonna reflect on us if we step out of the house. Mm -hmm. Yes, we also do a lot of like uh, inner work right because i believe like what you radiate out starts with what you are holding inside 
Um, and uh, we definitely want to be gracious, good people. So um, we want to present kindness, you know, and uh, just those good family community values. But one of the things that is really important to us is being very proud Africans. And so when we talk about appearance, we definitely go all out in the, the styling, profiling, and the fabrics, and the and the, you know, the jewelry, the cowrie shells, because we do feel like that's how we unapologetically um, present ourselves as Africans and um, bring more pride to what that looks like. I love that. I um total support of that as an African as well. You know, I'm always getting compliments about my hair, my little styles, you know, at work. Corporate environment, sometimes, you know, people have an issue with the way that we wear our hair. And so without changing that, I just choose styles that work for me. And it just so happened that it worked for my office too. And if it didn't, my hair would still be the same. But I know that I'm grateful, you know, to work in an environment where I'm not being stressed about that. You want to add anything as far as appearance? I know that appearance for us in our household is a thing. You know, um, my mom used to say when I was little, don't go out of the house looking like you're thrown away. You know, and that was her her famous line that she would always say, you never know what's going to happen when you leave home. You know, you might think that you're just running to the store and you may end up running into a potential client or, you know, an elder or someone else that you never know what's going to happen. So you always go out ready to present yourself in the best way, you know. And so I took that to heart and it's very hard for me to run out of the house with sweats on that, you know, aren't clean, <laughs> of course. Oh, goodness. I got sweats. I, I bought sweats this year because I actually didn't have any. I was like, because, oh. you know, I went out in public with them and I felt some kind of way. But the thing about the hair, like I've had my locks for a lot of years and I also work in a, you know, in a global nonprofit where certain norms exist around appearance. But, and that's why I kept my locks. And so when I'm in there, you gonna know who I am. And it has never been an obstacle because beyond the appearance are the skills and the talents and abilities that I bring. But yes, it is, um, it is often the case that people feel pressured to conform or what we call like assimilate to whatever the European norms are for how you should look. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, is people forget that they've asserted themselves in, in the exact same way. And that's why we have been accepting their appearance. So it's very yes. important for you to be comfortable and stand firm in whatever it is that, you know, is reflective of your culture and make sure that if you're there to do a job, that you're able to do the job very well. You're not just a person who looks really good, but you can't do your job, you know, so that's good. I like that. So tell me, how important is appearance and presentation in regards to your family's reputation? Is that a thing that has to do with your reputation or you feel like it's a, it's attached or is it something that's just individual? It's taking a while to think, but I definitely do. <laughs> um, whenever we like, especially whenever we go out to events, like my mother will make sure that we all are wearing dashikis and it, it, it like that they at least kind of match. So, oh, like the same fabric. Excuse me. The same fabric, or we're, we're not getting. We don't have that level yet, oh, we're but getting, we're getting there. Definitely one of the things that. <laughs> You know, we're, we're working towards Hey, I got a sewing machine to make sure that we get our cut from the same fabric. Yes. Right. So, um, 
I definitely do think that it's a very uh, high value for us in terms of appearance. Because, like, you know, it, I feel like what's valuable more is, of course, what, like, what you have on your inside and what, like, the energy that you radiate out. But sometimes, like, you got to have to match the energy mm-hmm. with your appearance, you know? Uh, so I definitely think it's one of those things that, you know, you look great. If you get it. Yes. And I am very on the side of, yes, we do care how we look. My, you know, mom used to wash us all down and oil us all down and dress us all up. But, you know, I learned that and I pass that on to my children. Appearances matter. Yes, but, or yes, and um, your reputation should be based on your character. And we talk a lot about character and what people see is almost like, um, a, a package but what they take away is what's on the inside like how you make them feel and um much more important than appearance is how you behave how you connect and and uh develop your relationships and love and show up for people like that he's heard this a million times i'm really on that side of the fence i love that how about you do you feel like that our, your appearance has a, is a reflection of our family and... I think so. I definitely think when, like, when I present myself, I definitely want to... I know I'm thinking of our family. So I know, yeah. uh, even though I still want to present myself in the way that I want to and be unique, I also got to think of, uh, you know, if I do this or if I wear this, then I know that I'm also presenting my family too. So I don't want to be looking, you know, crazy or something like that or looking you know, because that is a reflection of, you know, what family you come from. Yeah, this question, um, I wanted to make sure it was included, you know, because oftentimes when we're talking to our young men or even our young women, you know, as African people and as families, we're not thinking about the fact that when you leave the house, you are a reflection of this family, you know, regardless of who you talk to. Somebody knows that your last name is associated with a family and they know the history of that family. So. I'm very much in support of your reflection and your appearance being related to your family so that when people see you, they can say, wow, that's the family that I love, you know, or they can remember you and think of you in a certain way. Also, I wanted to touch on when you said, Mary, this thing about, you know, an inner appearance, um, there's a prayer in Islam that says, anytime somebody gives you a comment or a compliment about your beauty, Usually the response is supposed to be, I pray that my inside reflects what you see of my outside. So if you say, you know, you're so beautiful, oh, I love you the way you look, you know, the automatic response is, I pray that everything you see is reflected on my inside, you know? So it's kind of like an affirmation that you want to always make sure that you're not just a person that shows up on the outside as a beautiful, you know, stylish, whatever it is that that's reflective on the inside as well. So. I'm totally in support of it, and I'm real big on my son making sure when he leaves the house, even as an individual, he might leave the house looking like, I might not be like, wait, what are you wearing? But at the same time, my family is a family that's very firm in our creativity, you know, and our um, respect for ourselves. So him showing up that way is a reflection of our family as well. So I'm cool with it. The next question is yeah and he always does such a wonderful job of being a good reflection of your family so i just definitely want to pick up that 
And, Ma and Mama, uh, thank you for sharing that prayer. And I will want to follow up with you for more examples like that. That is a beautiful, beautiful gem that we'll take away from this conversation. A good way to respond. The next question is, when you present yourself to the world, who are you doing it for? Yourself or others? Well, I'm just going to say and yourself and others. Um, I think, you know, when you were reflecting, Mama, just now around how um, uh, when our youth leave the house, how are they perceived and how, how um, what are they presenting about the family that they come from? Um, it made me think about like as a woman, like when I go out, I want to encourage people to treat me with respect and honor and um, my safety even is part of what I think about. And um, so, uh, and then in my professional settings, I make sure that I don't, you know, go just in corporate clothes all the time. You know, I make sure that people understand that you're dealing with a person who's very proud of her identity and that that identity has a lot to do with why I'm so good at my work because I am firm in my commitment about who I am. Yeah. Um, so I think like, yes, I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to feel confident. But I also, through how I present myself, want to invite people to see who I am on the inside a little bit. And, you know, so that that is, I think, my both and. <clears throat> um, I think it's a both and for me as well. But um, uh, my, the things that I do in terms of like appearance, like presenting myself, oftentimes I feel personally is to, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a part of like my personal growth and perspectives. Um, and if people, the most I can really ask for people is their respect. Um, and that may not always have to be up close and personal. And I don't always need the compliments. Like the things I do, I don't do it for compliments for people, but I definitely do it for myself and expect respect from people because that's what I'm doing. I love, I love both of those answers. Um, as a Muslim woman, you know, and then as an African woman in the conscious community, there is an expectation in a sense sometimes of what people expect me to wear, you know? So in that regard, because I know that people look up to me, I know that I'm leading, you know, by example, I have to consider sometimes when I go out, you know, what my clothing looks like, you know? Is it something that's gonna be modest or is it something that is gonna be revealing in a way that someone who doesn't know me close enough to know that I, you know, am the same person I was when I had whatever clothes I had on, you know, in any day, I have to consider, you know, that some young girl is still learning how to dress modestly or how to, you know, dress in a way that, you know, reflects a Muslim woman. So I have to consider that sometimes. And then on the flip side, sometimes I want her to know that she should be an individual and if she, you know, whatever her individuality looks like should be reflected in how she looks. So it's kind of like a flip side, you know, it flips for me every now and then, you know. And then being a Muslim who celebrates African culture too is a thing that has to do with identity when I leave the house because you have a lot of Muslims who have been raised to reflect Arab culture and I don't do that, you know, at all. I'm an African person. So anything that I do comes from the culture of African people. And sometimes that can cause a conflict when it comes to presentation, you know, whether it's my head wraps or whether it's my hair being out, not being covered, you know, or maybe it's a particular pattern on my, you know, long dress or something like that. Some people don't necessarily see that as being 
Islam, but that lets you know that they are translating religion to be culture, you know, and for me, I'm fine with my culture. How about you? Kind of all the things that I said, just presenting myself for myself and also for my family, and also knowing that uh, what how I how I do present myself is important, and knowing that you know, like you guys said, it is a reflection of your you know yourself, your inner self, and just show that you know this is how I want to be respected, this is how I want to be seen, and um, nothing's gonna steer me off from that. Okay. All right. So the next question has to do with another person, a mate, you know, and I want to know how important is your mate's appearance to your presentation? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm good at finding (laughs) dashies. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) Yes. No. And, and. Appearance, it's funny about appearance because there's the clothing part of the appearance. You actually made me think from like the family perspective, how much your health has to do with your appearance and how much your what you eat in your diet and your rhythms in the home affect your health. And so I, I joke about dashikis, but I'm not joking. <laughs> but on the other hand, how I feed my family, how I nourish us and you know the the self-care that is really important to me is a big part of you know how you radiate your best self through you know your appearance so what about you your 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 um partner uh i well it's a bit of an interesting question um (laughs) i feel like I would want my mates' appearance to just kind of reflect who they are. Um, I've never quite been the one to worry about others' opinions. I feel like our like the appearance should really be for yourself at the end of the day, and that what we do is like within a relationship um, should be reflected by like you know not what someone's wearing or. Of course, definitely with the way that someone treats themselves, though, in terms of appearance. You know, I do believe that in terms of like health, like self care is definitely something very important. Basic hygiene is, of course, it's <laughs> a plus. Uh, <laughs> but um, I feel that I, I don't really worry too much about like in terms of pseudo appearance and like clothes and all the sorts. Yeah, I like how we're unpacking appearance and we've gone from clothes to like to hygiene. <laughs> That's all part of it. What about you? I think uh, appearance is definitely important in terms of looking for a mate. Because like you guys said, you know how maybe someone is wearing something, it um, can maybe lead into how somebody's health is or somebody's hygiene or just how they carry themselves. So, you know, if you, you know, really interested in somebody and they're outside wearing pajamas or something, not saying like, you know, they're a bad person, but, you know, some there's something there that may be confusing to you that you know I think is I just think it's very important (laughs) yeah for me you know we had a conversation recently about the five love languages you know we were talking about understanding mothers and sons too not just relationships you know and when we started talking about that when I was looking at this question I started thinking about how does that relate to what I'm looking for and a mate 
you know, and oftentimes we don't break things down like we do with these five love languages when we talk about what we actually like. Like, I'm a person that actually likes when my man wears his clothes that are nice. And I'm not going to pretend, you know, that I don't. But some people get into relationships and don't define that, you know, so they get very upset when a guy shows up or a woman shows up or whatever your relationship setup is, or your, your partner shows up with clothes you don't like, you know, or they don't dress in a certain way. And you haven't expressed that, well, I really love when you wear red, you know, red looks really good on you. Every time, you know, maybe you wear red because you know your partner likes that. I don't think it's wrong, but oftentimes we're not having conversations about what our, our wants and needs are in relationships and then we're expecting someone to just figure it out. And so when it comes to appearance, I'm real big on health and hygiene. That's like major. Because it lets me know like your mind state in a sense. Like, you know, care like at all that your nails are extremely long and dirty, you know, and then you're gonna eat with those hands or do you care how you smell, you know, when you're around other people? Is it offensive, you know, and that type of thing. But it matters to me and I'm it's important that we have conversations about it before it becomes a problem, you know. And the thing with, with moms and sons, usually we're having conversations with our young men just because we care about their health. But oftentimes we're not have, encouraging our young men to have conversations with their potential mates about it if it's a thing that's important to them. So then they get into relationships, okay. have an argument or, you know, very uncomfortable with the fact that their partner is wearing something that they didn't like or they showed up a certain way, you know, but. Sometimes they just haven't learned to have those types of conversations. So it's very important to do so before it becomes an issue. Uh, the next question. Nice. Hmm, the next question is, how does your family define work ethic? Did you guys hear the question? Yes. How does your family define work ethic? I would let him answer this question. <laughs> um, I'd say it's just really definitely consistency. Um, that's something that my mother's really uh, honed in on a lot, personally and with me as well. It's just, uh, just to like, my mother is very, like one thing that my mother can do that I cannot do is just sit down and do it. Like if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna get up into something. Um, and there's, there's different ways about going to do something. Like there's a thousand and one ways to do something. But uh, the way in which you do it, definitely matters and I feel like that uh, nonetheless the most important component is consistency uh, that may include cleaning my room or doing the dishes uh, or whatever it may be an assignment that I need to <laughs> prepare let's see both of our minds around the same. <laughs> but it's just I, I'm sure that she can definitely attest to this is that uh, consistency is definitely a key factor in our family's definition of work ethic and then like a, you know, doing a job towards completion, following through. So consistency and follow through. I see the two main components. Yeah, it's an interesting question about work ethic because sometimes, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I work, I work, and I work, and then I go work some more. And and I've started to unpack that because sometimes I feel like you know some of your work ethic should involve and. A willingness to stop working, to take time off, you know, to take breaks. So just, I mean, actually that might not be bad to break up the work, but one of the things for me 
that I'm always thinking about is my ancestors, my parents, you know, their sacrifice for me to have the life that I have. My belief that more people in this world should be able to be living with the right conditions to fully express their self-determination and their purpose. And I'm like, with these two hands for the time I have, I'm gonna do everything I really can. And I'm gonna do it professionally, I'm gonna do it in the community, I'm gonna do it in my home. And I, it's like, um, there is no shortage of work. Sometimes it's not enough hands holding it up. And so, um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel like, yeah, I, I maybe have like an overcommitment to work. But the one thing I will add to that is this idea that, um, there should be some sort of equity and fairness around how labor is divided, right? Work ethic isn't just about like a, like one or two people on a team carrying the rest. So I'm definitely also in my conversations with my family, with my community partners, ask for that consideration of equity roles. I look at gender, which roles women are doing. I know that this is about work in general more broadly now, but I just wanted to add that piece because if many hands make life work, right? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say um, one thing for me is definitely just being focused and also being consistent, like, you know, always giving like 110% and also working hard so you can just, you know, chill later. So you're not, you know, not having to maybe procrastinate, you know, you, it might be waking up in the middle of the night, like, oh no, I have an assignment, or you have something to do, so, you know, so definitely just being on top of everything, definitely consistency, and just always getting the job done. Yeah, for for me, this work ethic thing is a major thing, because I'm a bit of a workaholic as well, and I had to um, be very mindful of how much I was working, because it started to affect my health. In, 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 a, in a major way where I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that I wasn't sleeping enough or I wasn't, you know, drinking mm -hmm. enough water. And so when that happened, I actually brought it to my son's attention to make sure that it didn't happen to him, you know, because sometimes when we're given examples of this is what you should do if you want to work hard and achieve things, sometimes our children need to see, you know, that we've experienced it and we really understand, you know, what this is going to lead to if you don't do it this way you know so for me I have to be very careful about you know I'm a Virgo so I make lists and I make to-do lists and I make to-do lists on this date and I make plan B's as well for myself because sometimes with a plan A for the to-do list it doesn't always work out and I learned that if I don't get through a to-do list sometimes I feel accomplished which ends up affecting my productivity so I started creating plan B lists for my to-do list to say, if I don't finish this, at least I can finish this. And that would be enough, you know, for that particular, you know, stage so that I need to know that I've gotten to a certain point. So that's what's really helpful for me. And then also um, for work ethic for me, I think it's very important to check in and make sure that you're aware of why you're doing something and what the benefit is and who is it benefiting. You know, because oftentimes we get into doing jobs and we still did and we're so focused, but we're not really paying attention. Is this helping my family? Is this helping my, you know, rearing of my, my son? Or is this just for money? And sometimes you got to make sure you're aware of, you know, what is the purpose of this so you can get the best benefit out of it. That's right. So I, I appreciate this to-do list and this no sleep. 
right? In no sleep. One of the things that I have recognized is that there's a, a time to do something, you know, to your A and B list. Like that's a really important, I think, way to think about your day. I know if I have to write something, I write a lot of my work and if I have to write something, I'm gonna get up first thing in the morning, I'm gonna do that. Cause that's when my head can do that. Once I've hit the writer's block moment, I go do some other work around the house or go weed the garden and do some other work to stimulate another part of myself. So yeah, I definitely think knowing your style for your work and doing all you can to conform to that, make sure that you can do your best work. Yeah, it's good to have these conversations as well. I love that you all, you know, are talking so freely um, about this particular topic. Because oftentimes in families, we have an expectation for our young men to just learn work ethic and to be very good at it but there's never been a conversation about what does that actually look like, you know, and what does it look like for you? Because I may be a to-do list person, but Nafis is not. He's not a to-do list person. He's not gonna make a list, but he gets his work done, you know? And I had to realize that we had to have conversation about it, so I wasn't condemning him when I didn't see the list, you know? Or I didn't see the process that made sense to me, you know? So it's important for us to know what are our processes as parents and young men or young women, you know, on this whole topic of work ethic, so that when work is done, we can support it in the way that the person needs, however, with the support they need. Ready for the next question? Okay, actually, it's on me. So I know that you all are discussing work ethic, you know, in your family. It seems like something that is just happening um, naturally. So I'm going to change the question just a little bit. What type of advice would you offer to our listeners who are having an issue with discussing work ethic in their homes with either mothers and sons or mothers and daughters or husbands and wives or whatever the partner setup is? What type of advice would you offer for people that are challenged with this conversation? Yeah, if they're challenged with the conversation, I would assume too that they're challenged with the work ethic piece, like the getting the stuff done. And that's why, you know, the conversation would need to happen. And I think for me, one of the things I've learned over the years, and um, I'm still learning, I'm still unpacking, is the connection between my emotional landscape, my feelings about my um, self image, my inner narrative about myself and what I'm capable of, and some of that's influenced by society, right? And some of it, you know, just things we have learned to believe about ourselves. Um, and so I would advise myself and him, we, we do this as well, um, spend some time exploring that and unpacking. You know, I spent a lot of time over the past couple of years, you know, reading and watching videos on things like emotional neglect or um, you know, like internalized abuse, right? Because, you know, one of the things that came up is that some people become maybe less productive if they're not celebrated for getting a, a job well done, you know? Some people don't need praise and they don't work for praise, but still the like, I'm so proud of you bit of the emotional landscape, the affirming of the efforts and the reflection of like, you know, I see you, I think can really help people um, feel loved and, and more confident. And so I would say if that there, if there are challenges, 
explore the emotional um, triggers that might be um, tended to a little bit that can help facilitate healthier dialogue about not just work ethic, but anything, right? Yeah. Do you have any advice? Um, I could definitely piggyback off of the emotional aspect. Um, it, it's just, I feel like it's all about the delivery and if the conversation is difficult to have, it's probably surrounding some sort of, I wouldn't say, it may be as extreme as trauma, but even like some sort of unsettling components of like what happens in those conversations. And I think a lot of what has to be- <laughs> I, think, I think this is shade. No, there's no shade. I'm definitely saying, I can't say, but over the years is that we've been able to have much more mature conversations healthier, and healthy conversations, yes. especially on my side in terms of listening. And my side in terms of, of my <laughs> expectations and how I express them. Um, yeah. That's just, just, just kind of helped the, the environment that happens around this conversation. Like sometimes she does need to like remind me a little bit more pointedly. pointedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but most times when we have our conversation, it's, it's uh, it's it's like it's, it's coaching it's, it's coaching and you know you you take it and you run with it you know you uh you use that as a part of your growth and i feel like that's helped me personally when it comes to those conversations because there was a point of time in which it was just like when it came to talking about it i would shut down i, I hit walls off and mm -hmm. she would hit a wall she'd get upset i'd get irritated it, it just wasn't it wasn't really uh working out but let's say in terms of advice, make it to where it's a more of a comfortable conversation and try and removing that uh, stress barrier that most people have in their conversations. Yeah, those are very helpful. Um, that's helpful feedback that you both gave. I like uh, that you said, Miriam, earlier about knowing what time is helpful for you to work. Certain times are different for everyone. Like I work very well at certain times of the day and then there's certain times of the day where I have to stop. I can't do anything that has to do with that particular project. And it's important to know if you have somebody in your household who has different you know, times that they like to work so that you can understand that that might not be the best time to come to them for something that doesn't have to do with work if they're working. You know, But oftentimes a lot of parents are not thinking about that when it comes to their young men or women because they're thinking how dare you have a time of your own to do something you know like who gave you the freedom to do that you know but the reality is is you have your time that you work on something and you know how beneficial it is for you so teaching healthy behavior by leading by example is asking them you know what time of day is really good for you to work what time do you work and what time do you do that I had to get used to it with my son being in college you know I call him at like two in the morning and he's working on a report and I'm thinking to myself how, how terrible that would be for me, for my sleep pattern for the next day. And I had to accept over the years, like, he's not the same person. You know, he may be able to sleep in a different way than I am. And I have to accept that that's his reality. It's not mine. But I can encourage him that you do need to make sure you're getting at least eight hours of sleep outside of, you know, whatever you're doing. But I had to learn over the, t over the years that, you know, he's going to have different things. And all I can do is, you know, show him an example, but it may not be his example. Would you add anything? <coughs> all right, cool. The last, one? Uh, the last question is, is there uh, any other advice you would give about a presentation or a work, 
that we haven't touched on? Well, I will push back a little bit, Nafis. I think you can share a little bit of your work ethic advice with Azariah as he embarks on his college journey and follows you down that path. What college are you at, Nafis? I go to uh, Alabama A&M, and I'm studying, okay. I'm studying okay. sociology, and with that, I want to become a filmmaker. Yeah. All right. So what would you advise him as he gets ready to think about his college work ethic? I would say the biggest thing is always time management. I definitely say like, for like what I would do is I, I definitely have like a plan A and a plan B. So I definitely, in terms of uh, getting work done, I'll say, hey, I'll do these assignments today and I'll do these assignments tomorrow. And I'll, um, I would like to, I like to get them done, like to get them done. Especially when I get an assignment, like maybe if it's assigned today, I'll try to finish it today. So then I'm not thinking about it. Cause like for me personally, if I just have assignments, like it doesn't, it like affects my sleep or it affects like me doing stuff or, you know, going out or hanging out. Like it's like, oh man, I got an assignment. Like I, I got to get back so I can do it. So I definitely say, just try to get it done so you can have more time to do what you want or be creative or, you know, do whatever you're, you're into. I definitely say also, um, explore the campus that you go to or the college that you go to because definitely for me I started to realize oh like this is what I'm really interested in or I didn't know I was interested in that or you know also check the departments to see what internships they have or you know different clubs because I, I was recently in like a film club and also I was um, before the COVID happened I was going to be on the radio station so it was a lot of stuff that you know I definitely say just exploring it's always happened open mind about it because you never yeah. That's good advice. And, and to answer your question now, um, I would reflect back the little bit of what you just said about exploring and being what I would call entrepreneurial. I think, you know, around the time of Kwanzaa, we always talk about those principles, but many of us practice those principles all year. So the collective work and action that we need to our collective struggle for liberation is moving forward. I just, as far as work ethic, that is what fuels my work ethic. And I should I guess I should just advise people find what fuels for them uh, their their willingness to take charge and lead. And I notice in some of the work of our elders in the community, which I really just want to celebrate and big up as we talk about work ethic, we learn that by example, seeing them and their tireless sacrifice, you know, their willingness to write their stories, to lecture, to cook, to gather community around the things that matter. And, uh, you know, and I sometimes am, I'm seeing maybe unfortunately people falling back and looking at the busy people and glad that they're busy, but then not, you know, and, and maybe there's a question about how can I help? And maybe my response is, ask yourself that question. <laughs> you help, yes, that's the right question. I might not have the answer because I might be busy on my task. And I, I just want to, invite more people to get involved in your local organizations, you know, all of those Pan-African organizations that are working to ensure that people in Atlanta and, and worldwide are being guaranteed the protections of safety that they need, the opportunities that they might be afforded. Um, you know, keep it in the community and work hard and let's, let's us lift us up, you know? Azariah, any advice? <clears throat> um... 
I want to be careful about the advice I give because, like, even myself, I'm still figuring out my work ethic patterns. Um, it can also be about appearance. But any or, last things about appearance or work ethic? Or, or work ethic. Uh, um, I'd say with appearance, just kind of find a comfortable spot with yourself. That's something that I've been working on as a recent. Mm-hmm. Even with physical uh, appearance and self-care and all those different things, like what are the little things that I can do when I look in the mirror? Like, okay, this is something that I want to reflect. Whenever I look in the mirror, this is what I want to see. And um, I feel like what you hold about yourself, like when you, what you see when you look at yourself, uh, you, uh, when you look at yourself, reflects a lot to other people, and they start to see that same thing that you see. Um, which may not always be the case, but I feel like you should reflect in yourself what you want other people to see. Um, so I'd say advice in that regard is just kind of take some time to analyze and reflect on the things that are important to you um, and, and exercise those things. And whether it be work ethic or appearance, I feel like part uh, in some ways they could coincide um, about what your work ethic says about you. But definitely just kind of that self-work because sometimes you need a certain amount of work ethic to go through some like emotional processing about some things that you have in yourself. Like you can be working, working, working on the computer all day, on the lawn, doing the dishes, the room is crystal clean, but there's some things like inside within you that you've been stalling and pushing off for a long time. So I feel like there's a lot of different ways that you need to practice this. I love that. Um, and I would add um, one of the things I think that's very important is paying attention to the company you keep, seen and unseen. Oftentimes, you know, we're we're encouraging our young men or our families to, you know, be no, be mindful of who you have around you, you know, because, of, you know, whatever energy they have that they're bringing to you or whatever activities that they might be bringing to you, you never mm-hmm. know who you are involved in and how that's going to impact your character or your development. But I also like to include the unseen. You know, as African people, we believe in ancestors, we believe in certain energies, and oftentimes people are not really even concerned at all about what's going on around them or what type of energy is in their home. You know, and where's it coming from? But you're finding that maybe I'm angry all the time when I come to my bedroom. Or maybe I'm very upset or very relaxed when I come to this area of my house and you're not really paying attention to why, you know? And I believe in ancestors. I do believe they visit us and I do believe they carry certain energies with them. So are you communicating with them? And if you are, what are you communicating about? You know, is it healthy? You know, and nothing spooky, you know, because some people don't necessarily check for this idea of communicating with ancestors. But the reality is, is if you're communicating with them, then, you know, and it's causing you a problem, then you should probably try and figure out a way to do something about that. So I, my advice would be is to, you know, be mindful of the company you keep with, um, seen and unseen. Yeah, my grandma, my grandma lives here, by the way. Oh, wow. Well. Literally decided that she, you know, she um, lived her whole life in Cameroon. Mm. But at some point after my daughter was born, she came to us and she lives here. And when I need to do something, when I need an extra pair of hands, she's like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a, and she pictures of it. It's just a beautiful thing. So that point right there, like, 
I can't emphasize it enough. And even beings go beyond humans. So like the plants and what they embody and the vibrations, right? Has a lot to do with um, how you're feeling. So yes, I just wanted to just shout out my grandma since you were talking. Yeah, that's what's up. I mean, honestly, the thing is a lot of people, you know, when we talk about ancestors and unseen, you know, beings, we're usually afraid of it. And it's something that people are talking about in a negative way haunted house or you know some ghost that's you know stressing you out or something like that but it's that's not the reality all the time you know what I mean and so I for me I had to work through this whole idea of you know who's walking with me you know is it my mom who's an ancestor or my grandmother who, who are these people who are showing up for me and how are they showing up and what's the purpose of it what can I do with this relationship now because I'm on this side of you know the earthly realm and they they've transitioned so it's important for me how about you any other advice you would offer on this topic that you have a question um, you offer some good advice to us right i know that yeah. the college students might be listening to that yeah i mean that's all the advice that i have right now i might have some questions yeah. for you nephews <laughs> yeah you have one now um as for now uh Definitely dorm dynamic. So I've lived with my my entire life with my mother and as a piece of my sister. So it's gonna be a completely new experience living with another person that I've never seen before. So with my sleep patterns, work patterns, or just my life in general, how difficult is that? I'm sure it varies depending on the person, but what was your personal transition from being home with your mom to living with now with a roommate? Um, I'll definitely say, because I'm, I'm a rising junior, so um, first two years, um, it's been definitely, like, my first year, it was, terrible. it was terrible. Because <laughs> it was like, you know, there would be like, <laughs> like, two, three in the morning. It wasn't a good match. Yeah, it would be like, you know, so it would just come and then, like, very, like, loud, and I would sleep, or something like this. So I'll definitely say, in terms of finding a dorm, a dorm roommate, just, um, list all the things that you like like to do and what, what you like to expect so like if you say hey like during these during these hours like i consider these as quiet hours so like you know just let me know what you got going on or like just be be very um yeah just be honest because you don't want somebody you know you you don't share that information and then you know you get with a roommate and they're like doing something you're like bro like what are you doing you know <laughs> so. yeah they have intake forms when you come to the dorm there's an intake form like take that seriously because if you yeah. don't then you, you, you they match you with people based on the intake form so that's what he's talking about you know when you're writing on your form list all the things you can think about and don't think it's weird you know to list it because the reality is is somebody's gonna show up if you don't you know, tell them what type of person you're looking for who doesn't match it. And as a parent, I say, after that first year, I tell any college student to make sure you do that intake form. Because that first roommate, was a, it was a bust. Like, it was all bad. And but I'll, we didn't take the form seriously right. the first semester, though. That's why. And I'll also say, it's also try to make good uh, connections uh, off when you get there. So when you like make a lot of good friends, so like the next time you do dorm, you can just bring with your friends so you feel comfortable like sharing this book. Yeah, you build a family and a network, you know. So I always tell my faces, you never know who you're meeting. You know, you never know who your dorm mate is gonna be in your life in the next 15 years, you know, so pay attention to those relationships and cultivate them because you never know who they're gonna be to you, you know.
who knows 10 years from now he might go into business with his roommate you know and all these years that they've cultivated their relationship will be the foundation of that business partnership so and he's available for you to talk to outside of I'm this always available. you know yes. all right definitely so exchange numbers we want to thank you both for being here this conversation has been very good for both of us you know i'm grateful that you taken charge as a mom, you know, to be in your son's life and that you as Raya have been allowing your mom to be involved because a lot of young men don't let their moms in, you know, when it comes to conversation or being open. We want to thank you all for allowing us to have you here today. You know, this podcast is like we said, a safe space for young moms or moms at all, you know, to have conversations with their young men. And um, we hope it's been beneficial to you. We hope it's been beneficial to our listeners. We always part by encouraging our listeners to follow their family motto, whatever it is, and we will be working hard, praying hard, loving hard, and playing hard. Thank you guys for being here. All right. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You all are an inspiration. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye.